This is the Movie Hall of Fame for Thursday, March 28th, 2019. Playing into the dulcet tones of loonies. I got five on it. Yeah. Not really the Movie Hall of Fame this time, though, is it? Movie hopping, Movie Hall of Fame, whatever you want to call it. This is this is a special. We'll call this a special. Sure. Well, every once in a while, we'll have some specials, I suppose. If- Adam and Nico discuss movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is what happens. We like doing movie hopping, but we just didn't do it enough because there weren't enough interesting, exciting movies to talk about. Mm-hmm. But this week, there's an interesting and exciting movie. Maybe. So, well, okay. <laughs> uh, so, Movie Hall of Fame, we're tabling that. Next week, we'll be back to your regularly scheduled programming. But for now, a deep dive into the world of Jordan Peele and his new horror comedy, Oos. Oos. That's how it's actually pronounced. <laughs> Jordan Peele wants you to think it's us, but actually it's Oos. This is Oos. 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 <laughs> I'm going to cut you with my scissors. <laughs> we should get Werner on here. <laughs> Welcome to Oos. This new film. I've never heard of her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Werner. Love Werner. I've never heard of her, you son of a bitch. Jordan Peele, I've never heard of her. <laughs> How great would that be if Werner came out with Oos next year and it's about a bunch of top doppelgangers that attack a family? Oh, God. What would his version be like, though? Would, would it star Nicolas Cage? It would definitely star Nicolas Cage. <laughs> it would definitely be exactly like the original, except for like a few other key details. And it would be very revelatory about the nature of existence in mankind. Better or worse than this one? I Well, that is... that is, You know what? Really, at the end of the day, <laughs> that is the bar that all films must be measured on. <laughs> Werner Herzog. Would Werner make it better or worse? How many Werner Herzogs is this right. movie worth? I th- <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. As much as I would love to talk about Werner Herzog, we have too much to get to today. Yeah. A deep dive into this movie. It is a... Very successful movie by all metrics. Well, most metrics, I should say. Has done very well with critics. It holds something like 95% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. It also grossed $70 million at the box office, which makes it one of the highest grossing original films of all time Mm -hmm. in its opening weekend. People were very excited to see this coming off of Get Out from a few years ago. And I know that the two of us have... A lot of thoughts. We we talked about it a little bit. I saw this on Saturday night, and you saw it Saturday afternoon, right? Yeah, I saw it uh, a couple hours before you, uh, being very excited to go see it because that trailer is phenomenal. Yeah, and um, also set to "I Got Five on It" by Loonies. Yeah, it's in very well incorporated. By the way, I cannot stop listening to that song. Really, <laughs> dude, that song is so dope. I've been listening to uh, um, uh, "Bring a Little Lovin'." For after the um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood trailer. Oh, yes! Because that... Also a great trailer. Yeah. Can we talk about that for like two minutes? Yeah, sure. Okay. I am so (laughs) beyond jazzed for this movie. It's... I don't think I've ever been this excited. I don't think since the the new Star Wars episode seven have I been this excited for a movie. Really, dude, I'm so fucking pumped. I mean, it's I, I, I'd say it's one of the movies I'm I've been more excited for. I guess in a while, I was certainly more excited for Blade Runner, but it's just wonderful to see uh, Tarantino go back to L.A. That's yes, yeah. that's exactly what it is. So. He hasn't been in L.A. since Jackie Brown, right? Yeah, pretty much. Did yeah. they ever visit in Kill Bill? Probably not. I don't think so. And I 
Um, Maybe yeah, that might have been, but it, it's, it's not about L.A. Yeah, I wouldn't call it an L.A. No, movie. Yeah. And does Death Proof take place in L.A.? I don't think it does. It probably takes place in California, but not in L.A., no. Right. Yeah, so. this is the pure, and this is literally a movie about Hollywood. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a love letter to the golden age of Hollywood, essentially. Leo and Pitt together. It's so funny. I think we were talking about this. They've never been together in a movie either. No, it's like heat. It's like it our is. generation's heat. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you put that. <laughs> you just gave me a giant erection. <laughs> the table is lifted up about <laughs> 10 inches. I'm being very generous for Nico right there. That's a, that, <laughs> shut up. No, that's exactly what this is. It, you know, that trailer obviously didn't like reveal much about the story. Didn't need to. Didn't he? I mean, I don't feel like any Tarantino trailers really reveal that much about the story. I guess not. It's going to be what it is. Um, but it's a Tarantino movie. You can does, see that. It does give you the moments that's like, oh, right. He's the only guy that can really do this in Hollywood. Yeah. You know, where he can just give you like a great iconic shot or a great take on a character or a great line reading or monologue. And it's so over the top, but it's so glorious. I don't care. I don't care if it's over the top. It's You're so right. good, it's just, man. It's just Tarantino. It's awesome. Dude, Leo is going to be chewing the fucking scenery in this movie. <laughs> I love... Oh, God. Because I... After Django Unchained, I'm like, Jesus, where has he been for... Like, this This is a match made in heaven. It is. It really is. That's because I... I think he's more suited for something like Django than he is for something like, uh, I don't know, even The Departed. Honestly. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like The Revenant or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. The guy's I, a movie star, and and Tarantino works well with movie stars and also does an effective job of creating movie stars. I, well, yeah. You in, know? In, like, Uma. In Uma or Travolta, even. He yeah. was able to tap back into that yeah. stardom. Um, dude, that scene where the little girl whispers in his ear, that's the greatest performance I've ever seen. Rick fucking Dalton. And, and Leo... <laughs> Leo has tears streaming down his face like the kid in Get Out when he got yeah. trapped in the Upside Down. Yeah. It's like, bro, just inject this movie into my veins. I am so in. I love that nuance. Right when he says, he's like, thank you. Like crying a little bit right, right. there. It's so great. Dude, I'm so in on this movie. Yeah. I, I, you know what? And I'm probably going to be horribly disappointed by it, but I cannot wait. I, I'm like well balanced for this film. Maybe more so than you because I'm, I'm. Uh, I love Tarantino. Agnostic but. about him these days? No, I, I just, you know, uh, maybe it's just everybody else. You yeah. know, I, I tend to respond to the people around me. And um, there's there's those filmmakers or those movies out there where people like blow their heads off for it. And I'm like, well, maybe not for me. You know, I don't resonate with it nearly as well. Like Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, that's my famous example with the... Uh, right. A Tarantino, which is in that's one that kind of upsets me. It actually some, sometimes depresses me when I watch the film, where it's like I just love that opening so fucking much. Yeah, but the film never really reaches those heights for me as it progresses, which right. is unfortunate. But and you just yeah, you don't see what everybody else sees. But I don't. But I don't like blame anyone for loving it though. Is the thing? It's like because I, I I would love to love it as much as you, for example. But yeah, you know. Did you like Hateful Eight? No. <laughs> well. I, that's that's maybe that's unfair because me saying I I don't like it means that it sounds like I think it's not a good movie, but that's not true at all. Like it's a it, it's a it's a fine movie. Yeah, it's just I don't know it's drags drags. It's a wasted opportunity. I think you could have told that movie in about you know an hour and twenty minutes. Right, <laughs> but 
Uh, and it's three fifteen plus an intermission. I, I get, <laughs> I get the idea before before the halfway mark. You know, you didn't need to shoot your movie that way either. I like, I, I joke about this a lot, but it's really hilarious that he decided to use seventy millimeter, and it takes place in a cabin. Right. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> you have the widest screen possible, and you're in, you're trapped in this claustrophobic room. That's a good point. I never even thought about that. Yeah, it's like it, it's like because it, it starts out very much the opposite. With these great like uh, wilderness and mountainous landscapes, oh, God, those shots are incredible. And Robert Richardson's uh, cinematography is amazing. It's it's just then they they transition into uh, a Western version of Reservoir Dogs, and right. we've we've seen Reservoir Dogs, and we know that it's a, a hundred billion times better. Yeah, so I get it. You know, I feel you. Yeah. Okay. Well, Once so, Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm, 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 I'm excited. Great trailer. I'm excited. Great trailer. I am. Yes. In. Uh, okay, let's let's get into okay. Oos, shall we? Oos. 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 I'm just going to say like that the entire <laughs> Getting into oos. It's so like, be careful. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> be careful. Oos. Don't have too many chocolate bars. <laughs> Try not to burn the house down. <laughs> <laughs> this is only going to be funny to you and me. <laughs> no one else is going to find this funny. <laughs> I'm so sorry. All right. Um, uh, so Jordan Peele is back. Mm. I was anticipating this movie um, more than any other movie this year besides Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, and I think one of the reasons why is because movies aren't really events anymore unless they have a Marvel label on them. Yeah. You know, there are not many original filmmakers with the exception of Tarantino or Christopher Nolan or I wouldn't even put the Coen brothers in that category no, where the world stops to see whatever they make. There's something. Eh, no, nah, maybe not even the Irishman. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. But for, for a specific demographic, I suppose I, I, the, the gimmick of getting the, all those guys back to be in that movie together is kind of cool, but I don't know. But Scorsese can still release. What's that movie he did with Liam Neeson getting Oh, tortured. Silence, silence. silence. That movie with Liam Neeson. He's barely in it. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen it yet. Um, he could still put that out and no one gives a shit. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think if Christopher Nolan releases a movie that it would go the way of silence. Like it, it becomes the conversation for two weeks among the film community. Um, and I think we have another one of those guys in Jordan Peele. And sure. I know personally I'm rooting for him to succeed more than I am most other filmmakers because I want to see a guy like this who's that ambitious and has such a clear style and such a clear voice make good stuff because mm-hmm. I want fi- I believe that him succeeding is like the industry at large succeeding. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I agree. Yeah, I can I could lump him into that category even if I I don't love what he's done so far. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 I mean, I saw Get Out when it came out. I mean, well, actually, no. It was like a, a month after it had come out. And it, I don't know. I, you were the only person who was telling me to see it. Okay. And I well, saw that's it. interesting. Yeah. Because and, a lot of people were telling me to see it. And I, I saw it about two weeks late. Yeah. See, I only got the got, got you and that was about it. Okay. And, um, and I saw it and I thought it was fine. <laughs> right, and, you know, I I I enjoyed it enough for for what it for what it was. I saw it again, and I warmed up to it a bit more. I appreciated some details about it, and I've grown to like the movie. I still don't love it. It's another one of those movies that I I appreciate what it was going for more than all the execution. I find it very uneven, and uh, I I don't think the film works completely well as horror or social commentary. 
if I'm being completely honest with okay. you. Okay. Well, I it, huh. it's not really a horror movie, is it? And, well, that's the pro- like, but it is in the public eye. It kind of is a horror film, isn't and it? it and it so. has the check marks of a horror movie. Like, yeah, it has some discernible qualities, but sure, it's it more feels like a thriller than it does horror. I guess. Um, which just, is maybe why I liked it. I don't know. It's more reminiscent of like the works of like like some carpenter and a lot of Cronenberg to yeah. me, which makes me like it, it has that vibe and that atmosphere. And that makes a lot of sense when you consider Jordan Peele's love for the fly. Yes. Things like that. And I can even see traces of the fly in get out. Yeah. It's funny. The name Hitchcock has been thrown around a lot and I have not been innocent of this. I've been throwing the name around a lot as well. But it, he is far more reminiscent of Carpenter than he is Hitchcock. A lot more. And I, it I, seems like those are the movies that he's most drawing from. Yeah. And I, like Hitchcock isn't necessarily even a, a compliment to me. <laughs> like really? it, it can be, but sometimes it's like, what do you mean when you say that? Are you just referring to like like Rear Window or, or, or The Birds? I mean, Hitchcock's variety with his films are kind of all, it's all, it's all over the place. And, and no one makes films like Hitchcock really anymore so right people tend to draw more from the carpenters or the cronenbergs nowadays the only the only people who make films i guess kind of like it are are the older gentlemen i mean the last like oh god what's the last like hitchcock film we got i mean panic room is a hitchcock film in essence but that's about it but you don't see a lot yeah it's a small contained thriller that gets psychological and you know there's the the lead blonde heroine that's more of a coincidence in my opinion but yeah if we're drawing ties to hitchcock that would probably be it uh but yeah, I, I see more filmmakers having more of a, a fondness for you know the, the the weird ones now. Right. And Hitchcock was not a weird one to me. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, Hitchcock was making mainstream fair. Yes. And uh, yeah, they, it's they often starred beautiful women, and they weren't overly violent, although they were artistically violent for their time. Yes. Yes. yes precisely. And Carpenter, I think, is that's what this generation of horror filmmaker grew up on. Yep. Those were the movies that they enjoyed as children, and so now they're grown-ups, and they see a lot of great opportunities for art within those stories, Mm -hmm. and I think that's why we're sort of seeing this next wave of stuff that on the surface looks very silly and Mm B-movie, but then underneath has a lot of interesting stuff to say. Yeah. Um, Because I don't think at the time when John Carpenter was making movies, there was much thought given to the horror genre. No. Right? He was sort of the guy that broke the barrier. And I guess to a certain extent, um, George Romero as well. Oh, uh, George Romero, absolutely. He was the the original guy. And also, by the way, I think there's a lot of George Romero in this movie, too. I would say that. I'm speaking about us. Um, Stuff that is the lowest form of cinema at the time had a lot of interesting stuff to say underneath. And that's what all of these filmmakers, Jordan Peele included, are chasing. Um, Which, I think the the problem with us, and we'll get to this in a little bit, is they're chasing it a little too much. And I ha- they chase it at the expense of some interesting horror and interesting comedy. Which is something, yeah, it's it's something I have to say, and I hope we talk about this when it comes to an artist and what they mean to do, yeah, versus what just what their their intuition is, yeah. And uh, like I said, I want to save that till later. But one of the one of the clearer issues here is how Jordan Peele handles "quote unquote" meaning in film versus the way like a Carpenter would or a Cronenberg, for that matter. Let's talk about this now. Let's just get into this now because we have some broad points. Here's what I'll say off the front: walking out of that movie, and I spoke to you the very next day about it. Uh-huh. 
the first thought I had was this is a glorious mess. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. I had a fun time watching it. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to revisit it. But I also admit this is not exactly grade A filmmaking. It, there's a lot of faults and there's a lot of mistakes yeah. riddled without. And yeah. I think you felt similarly. Pretty much the exact same way. Yeah. It's, it's, a, frust- it's a very frustrating it's movie. It's incredibly frustrating. And it's, it's, it's almost kind of disappointing. I would say it's disappointing. Absolutely. Talk to me about the meaning of the movie and talk to me about just, Jordan Peele's particular quest for meaning as well, compared I, to Carpenter's. I'm just talking about meaning in film in general. You know, it, there's, there's a, I was talking about this with a buddy of mine the other day and we are talking about the way artists approach incorporating themes into films and how th- there's, a, there's a very big difference with the effect of films when it becomes like really, really intentional versus when you know, something is just kind of happening at the time in which they're making a film and it just kind of gets woven in there, which is kind of what happened with like Night of the Living Dead, where George Romero was never really trying to make a comment on racism at the time or, or social injustices or frustrations. It just came out of just being saturated from it all the time. So we see those images at the very end, which kind of echo the, the the racial aggressions that were going on. So it's it's... You could call it coincidental, but it's meaning that's absolutely there because the filmmaker lived it. Yeah. So you get you get filmmakers uh, who who just make films like that. And I was um, I was talking about uh, this in reference to Kubrick actually, and how people are constantly questioning him or were questioning him about what his films were all about and what he was going for, and his responses were like, well. I mean, it's. I wish I could do a good Kubrick impression. I, he has, he has I don't great, know what Kubrick sounds like. It's like uh, most of the time it was. Yeah, he's got like a weird like New York accent. It's okay. really cool. Yeah, most of the time it's just complete bullshit. You know, <laughs> that's kind of how he sounds. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But he, yeah, he was basically saying like, yeah, people will, will talk to me all all the time about what this meant in a movie or, or what this meant in a movie. But I mean, I, I a lot of the time I wasn't really going for anything. Yeah, and I'm like hearing that from Kubrick is like. What? The most methodical and detail-oriented director that's ever lived. Yes. The fact that you don't have a clear intention in mind is sort of crazy. Do you believe him? He literally says, I mean, I got people, you got to hear the way he delivers it. It's like, oh God, yeah, this guy is completely candid. When he was talking about, uh, I think it was at the time he was making Full Metal Jacket, and he, in the interview he says, I mean, if I'm being totally honest with you, I don't even know what Paths of Glory is about. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> What? <laughs> and you see Pass of Glory, you're just like, what? What? <laughs> it's like one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen, and I'm just like, how? How could you? How can you say that? He's like, well, it's not really about like like doing it on the spot, really. It's just you do what feels right to you, and you know, based on your experiences, you you put it in the film. Stanley like, Kubrick said this. Yeah, he's like, yeah, like like when people in, in, interpret my films. You know, I'm not saying there's not meaning there. It's just, you know, it's it, it it's not something that you can necessarily plan well, for. Well, it sort of comes from the art, right? Exactly. He's, saying. he's basically like, it, it's really a, a pure art form. It's like, like people tell me this stuff. It's like, it's either like, 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 um, way off the mark or just total bullshit. You know, it's not really what I was feeling at all. And there's a great quote. Uh, I was, I said the same thing to a friend of mine the other day. And the quote kind of goes like this. It's like a three part thing. You have author colon. The drapes are blue. Beneath that, English professor, colon, the drapes are blue because it expresses this character's need for longing in his depression living in an urban wasteland that he can't escape from, so on and so forth. Uh, right below that, author, colon, no, the drapes are just fucking blue. <laughs> right, right. And I was like, 
oh, actually, you know, that's, that, that says a lot about how, how an artist, you know, processes their own work. Um, I, yeah, wow. To hear Kubrick say it is interesting. Yeah. But I guess it makes sense, because why wouldn't Kubrick be like every other artist? I know, but we, we're used to him being like this, like, mythological filmmaker, but it's like, Oh yeah, he was just well, kind of- but a mythological filmmaker <laughs> that is very particular with his choices. Yes, so you just assume that those choices mean something to yeah. him. Well, I think he's the one who said, "I I don't know what I always want, but I definitely know what I don't want." And I'm right. Like, oh, okay. well, because I think about Lynch all the time too. He's another guy that is very particular. He's not improving when he's no. on set, right? Mm-mm. Like he has particular images in mind. And he wants to articulate those images on screen. But that doesn't necessarily mean he knows what those images mean. Precisely. Which is yes. an interesting Precisely. way of thinking about it. And I, again, I don't necessarily buy that Kubrick operated like that all the time. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm a little skeptical that he's just like, oh, I'm just going where the wind takes me, man. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, but if you listen to this interview, it's like... I think he's telling the truth. <laughs> the, the sentiment the sentiment makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand what he means by that, and I understand what you mean by that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the case of Jordan Peele in Oos... Um, <laughs> Keep saying it. Of course I will. <laughs> I think we can both agree that the meaning got in front of the art. Yes. And it clouded the movie's ability to just be a damn good horror movie. Because, by the way, there are flashes of a damn good horror movie in this there are flashes of some of the best horror I've ever seen. Incredible stuff. Really, really good stuff. Uh, and it is it is a shame. <laughs> right. It really is a shame that uh, he, he he couldn't get out of his own way, I guess. Yeah. Let, let me talk about what's good about the movie first. Uh, and then we'll get to the criticisms. And then I'll come back around and actually compliment the movie. Because I've thought about it a lot. And here's my thinking. If I'm thinking about a movie three to four days after the fact, it's not a bad movie. I didn't say it was a bad movie either. I don't think about bad movies three to four days later, right? I, and unless I, I, they're really bad, right? Unless it's the room, in which case I couldn't. The first time I saw the room, I couldn't shake it for two weeks. It, it was Tommy Wiseau was living in my head. He's still living in my head. He, he will never get out. That dude is a squatter. He is paying rent. He's not paid rent in my head space for the last two years, but he won't go away as much as I try to evict yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, your future tumor can be named Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's dark. <laughs> that's exactly right, though. Um, I have a feeling that this movie will occupy some headspace for a while. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff going on. And a lot of, by the way, worthwhile stuff going on. Sure. I'm really into some of these messages, and I, I, I'm, I'm picking up a lot of what Jordan Peele is putting down here, whether he intended it or didn't intend it. I like the universality of this theme, okay. and I like how the movie speaks to each individual person in a different way, and that it's open to multiple readings. Mm-hmm. There are... A, a host of theories on the internet about what this movie is actually about. Mm -hmm. And although it seems like Jordan Peele has one very clear definitive answer, it's still rich enough of a text that you can interpret it a million other ways. And that's what good art is, right? Even if it's not the most effectively told piece of art, even though it's not the most coherent story, I can list about five to six theories and I will in a bit about what the ending of the movie means and what the twist means and what the imagery means and what this is supposed to represent. And I just don't feel like there's enough mainstream movies like that anymore on either an independent level or on a blockbuster level, certainly not on a blockbuster level. Uh, 
most mainstream stories, they just get in, get out, and don't leave anything in the eyes of the beholder. Sure. And so I guess I appreciate this as much of a mess as it can be. Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> You're not so, buying it. Eh, I don't know. I see. I see films like that 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 come along that I suppose have 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 plenty like interpretations. You can interpret a lot of movies a lot of different ways, to, regardless of how quote unquote mainstream they are. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we want to call hereditary mainstream, but no. Clo- I mean, in the realm of horror movies, it was certainly one of the more noteworthy ones, at least last year. But doesn't hereditary also answer those questions in a pretty? I would say succinct package. I would say it does it about as succinctly as like Get Out. Yeah, and, you know. Well, Get Out is a very succinct movie. Yes, Get Out is efficient as hell. It's short. Not many scenes waste time, and it has a very clear message that it's telling you at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's why the big reveal at the end of the movie lands as hard as it does, right? Yeah. This is a movie about liberal racism and how white people use black people for their own gains. In some sort of perverse, but also uh, um, obsessive way. Yes, I agree. And then also you have this great moment with the cops at the end. Or when you see the cop lights and you're like, holy shit, this black guy is about to go to prison for murdering these people who are sociopaths. Mm -hmm. And both of those moments were gut punches in that movie. Because it didn't make any bones about what the movie was actually about. Yep. Um, This movie tries to do the same thing. And I guess, spoiler alert now. Yeah. <clears throat> it tries to land that emotional gut punch and fails to do so because there is so much story stuffed into this last act. Oh, the last act, yeah. I was going to say most of the story beforehand, there's not that much going on, yeah. if I'm being honest. And uh, if you're, what you're referring to is the twist ending. I am. Yeah, which we we talked about, and I was pretty upfront about it, I, that I... I straight up do not like this twist ending didn't work for me either didn't work for me really at all because and we we again we've kind of discussed this already is that it's not a twist that that reframes the movie for you or makes you really rethink the rest of the movie i mean it does but in the sense that you start questioning everything that came before right in terms of like the logic and the character motivations and it's it's upsetting because it's a film that, in doing so, invites you to think about it. Like, this film clearly wants you to reflect on everything that just happened, but when you start to reflect on it, I think it starts to fall apart. Right, and it's just overly confusing. Yes. Like, for a twist to land, the audience has to get it instantly. Mm-hmm. You can't be thinking about the twist ten minutes later and no. being like, oh, so that's what that meant, and this is what this storyline had to do with this, and... You're too busy putting together the pieces of the puzzle. And I'll be honest, I was sitting in the theater. Not all of the puzzle pieces were put together yep. when the twist was revealed. And the thing is, I th- I th- it was one of those instances where it's like, when the film was going along and then I saw the doppelganger at the beginning, I thought of the idea like, wouldn't it be funny but kind of dumb if they switch places? But yeah. I, I, dis- I dismissed the idea because I didn't think they would actually go there. Yeah. A- and then they, they actually go there. Right. And I'm like, oh, hmm. I'll admit I actually predicted it. Okay. Right, right <laughs> off the jump. The, the second that the therapist was talking to the parents and they're like, oh, we just want our daughter back. And like, oh, this is, I get it now. Yeah. This is where it's going. And so I spent most of the movie also trying to figure out what that twist meant. Yeah, you know, and and how they're going to get there and what it means to the theme because again, the theme is not instantly clear. No. The theme takes a long time. And so by the end of the movie when they're 
in the tunnel system and they're explaining what the tethered are and they're explaining that this is a government conspiracy and you're putting all these pieces together. You don't unless like you're you you know exactly what he was trying to say. There's no way for the twist to land. Because yeah. now they get to the twist and it's like, okay, you're reframing something that I didn't understand in the first place. Yes. You have to frame it first in order to reframe it. Yeah. And I didn't feel like the movie was framed well enough initially. Yeah, you have to you have to frame it up like The Sixth Sense. Yes. Where it's like, or, or like Fight Club. It's like, of, of course he was Tyler Durden the whole time. Of course Bruce Willis was a ghost. You know, you have to, there has to be that revelatory moment where it's like, oh yeah, it all makes sense to me right off the bat as soon as you reveal that little bit of information. Right. It can't just be like, oh, cool. W- wait, wait a second. Oh, yeah. wait, what? Exactly. What? What? Exactly. That's essentially the effect of the twist ending for, uh, for, for Oos, unfortunately. Yeah. So. I get you. I agree with you. It's just a, which is a shame because walking out of the movie, you're not left with a feeling of like, oh fuck yeah! It's like, uh, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. I understand. So. I will say though, there were some moments in this movie where I was like, fuck yeah, Jordan Peele. <laughs> yeah. There were a few of those moments. The ballet sequence at the end mm-hmm. was so goddamn good. Oh, yeah. It was so well done and well paced and well edited and well shot. And it, it was just symphonic. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it's like that's what I go to the movies for. That's the feeling that you get. Th- that's the magic that the big screen can create for you. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not like super scary or super hilarious. There's a real like beauty and majesty to this movie. There's a creepy beauty to it in that yeah. way. And it, it nicely progresses to that moment. It doesn't go straight to it. There's a lot of build up to the point where she actually runs into um, Red, I guess is her name. Right. And, and Adelaide, by the way, is, Adelaide, the, yeah. is the name of the real life Red. And it like, and or like, vice versa, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it, like you were saying, it kind of pays off too with just a phenomenally uh, choreographed and shot and edited sequence. Yeah. And again, and the, we we haven't really talked about the technical aspects of the film, but it's one of the the better positives of this movie is that it looks great. Oh, it looks incredible! Yeah, like all the technical things from the the way they choose to light the scenes and the way it's all shot together and the way it intersplices between uh, the normal family and the tethered. It's just really chilling stuff a lot of the time. It's very well directed too. Incredibly uh, well directed, which is which is the, the one of the things that make this mo- makes this movie even more frustrating because it's clearly a very well made film. Yeah, and in many ways a step up from Get Out. Yeah. Oh, in terms of filmmaking, I like it. A, it general filmmaking, I like it a lot more than Get Out. Yeah. It's one of my bigger issues with Get Out is that when I was watching most of the film, not the whole thing, but. Uh, there, there's a lot of instances in Get Out that I'm just like it's not very visually interesting to me. Uh-huh. I, I would have liked it if you'd done a little more here or there, or maybe, maybe not shot this scene in broad daylight or whatever. Uh-huh. But you know, like there's the 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 under the upside down sequences in Get Out are wonderful. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this one for me, almost almost all the film is like okay, yeah, there we go. There's a there's a better sense of atmosphere and place and and just just really uncomfortable grittiness and oh there are a few uninteresting shots in this movie oh yeah (laughs) you know it's it is a visual marvel at times yeah the original home invasion when the family appears in the driveway and gets in the house i love that though oh my god love that great stuff i love the opening shot with the the rabbits yeah really really unnerving also lapita descending into hell yeah (laughs) i was one of my favorite shots in the movie yeah when she's on this escalator into the and turning the corner and running into her doppelganger 
like this is this is next level stuff man and then with the rabbits running around too it's like it's just really really memorable shit i actually picked up some scissors the other day and I'm, i couldn't help but think of the movie right because they were the same kind of scissors i'm like Oh yeah. Okay. I guess us does have a, somewhat of a place in my head. No, the, so, yeah. the, and there are very few filmmakers again that do this mm-hmm. in 2019 that can create distinct images that just haunt you and stay in your head. And I know, like this, it's very intentional for for Jordan. That was one of his goals in making the movie was to create an image that would become memeable in some way or shareable or that would would signify when you see a pair of scissors or when you see a red glove or when you see rabbits you think about us for half a second mm-hmm. um and i think he succeeds in spades in this sure it, it's really really well made um and as you said that's what makes it all the more frustrating <laughs> is it, he has gotten better as a filmmaker but as a writer he's feeling himself a little too much yeah because this is the th- like like you really like the script and get out i do I like it. I, I'm not sure if I would have given it the Oscar, though. No, oh, I, I, I would have given it more than the Oscar. Uh, see, see, yeah. I would have given that script a blowjob if it wanted. Because I... Cause the, the, <laughs> Anything it wants. I don't think his... I think his scripts are, like, clever, but not necessarily the most intelligent things ever, if that makes any sense. Okay, so this is an interesting conversation I wanted to have. Yeah. There is kind of a debate about, like, the tone of these movies. Mm-hmm. And my brother pointed it out. I saw it with my brother on Saturday night. They sort of um, cater to the lowest common denominator in terms of its humor, but then the ideas are too intellectual for the crowd that they're catering to. So it's like we have this big, big idea about homelessness and poverty and race and the leaving behind of the other and mm-hmm. the uh um and the dangers of privilege and you have all this really big stuff and then yep. meanwhile you have a dad having a hard time starting up his boat yeah you know and i think there was a similar thing with the friend in get out yeah, the, the TSA. ts motherfucking a yeah. agent who again there's this this heavy-handed racial allegory happening mm-hmm. back at the house and then meanwhile you have this silly comic relief doing stupid hijinks with cops yep you know and it's well it's the problem with i that i have with get out for me it's just that i it for me it it's it's what i said meant when i said it was uneven is that i'm like i'm not sure how i'm supposed to feel in a lot of scenes with that movie i don't find the film particularly funny i don't find it necessarily even all that dramatic at times I don't find it scary. And a buddy of mine actually put this very well because he watched the film. And he's like, okay, well, I think it's good. But what I will say is that you should you should always whole ass someone, Adam. I'm like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> he's like, well, in the words of Joe Swanson, you know, you know, you, you, you Ron go all Swanson, in, you mean? Or Joe, Ron Swanson? Ron Swanson. From Family Guy? Oh, Joe Swanson. Joe Swanson. Oh, I thought you meant the Parks and Rec character. No, no, Joe. I think it's Joe. Or did he say the whole ass line? I don't know. I don't think it was the Family Guy character. I think it was, well, it was Swanson, Swanson, someone, whatever. I believe is. Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec. Talking about half-assing things, you should always whole-ass something, never half-ass like like multiple things or whatever. Right. And I feel like that's what Get Out kind of does for me. At least that was my experience. I didn't feel that way, but I understand where you, you're coming yeah. from. But even on even on rewatch, I'm like, yeah, just because I don't think it transcends what it's doing. I think it works very well as as kind of accessible, weird horror that has something to say, which is the most admirable thing I can say i guess about jordan peele is that i think in the era in which he made get out that we're currently living in we didn't get a lot of horror films that 
reminded people that horror films could be about something. Yeah. Which is nice that he came along and said, okay, let me, because I, he, I'm a, I'm a well-known name and I'm going to make a horror film that can actually be like, oh yeah, I, I have, I have a clear message that's, that's but also, important. Also that they can be fun and kind of weird and wacky and goofy. Yeah. Because I felt like those horror films were certainly there. I've seen plenty of them. Like like The Babadook is a fantastic example. It Follows is another. But Yeah, but those movies aren't like very funny. No. But that's I, I don't I Like don't, those movies are very revelatory in how dark and disturbing they are. Yeah, but I don't it's a horror film. I don't need it to be funny. I don't care. No, I'm not saying it needs to be no movie but, needs to be anything, but a movie can be horror and and comedy at the same time. Yes. I think that's my point. Yes. No, I don't think one is superior to the other, no. but I, I I think one of the reasons that I respect his comedic sensibilities, it's more accessible. Even though it doesn't always work, yeah. is that it 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 plays around with the the genre conventions mm-hmm. and says just because we're killing somebody in a in a grotesque fashion doesn't mean we can't laugh ten seconds later. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I love Tarantino. Yeah. Tarantino many times has very accessible mainstream humor mm-hmm. and it's very lowest common denominator. Like it's yes. That's what I'm referring to, right. though, is just how accessible that kind of humor can be. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that, man. Yeah. I am cool. I am totally fine with finding high art in the lowest places. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with watching a reality show and thinking that it's the equivalent of The Wire. You know, <laughs> I, like I am totally I am pro low art, meaning big things, and that's sort of what he's doing here. There's nothing pretentious about this movie. There's nothing pretentious about Get Out. And I certainly prefer the sort of silly, sort of goofy, sort of tonally incoherent movie to the, this is the magnus opus of horror. (laughs) You'll see this horror movie and never view any other horror movie the same again. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just like that more, man. I like that he's playing around in the toy chest. I suppose, but you're not a horror fan. I'm not. Well, (laughs) that's definitely true. Which is the, cause when I come out of his films, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like I get what you're doing, but it's, it's not a horror experience for me. And if you're, and if you, if it's your film looks like a horror film and it moves like a horror film, it talks like a horror film. I think it's trying to be a horror film. And in that way, it, 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 doesn't land for me what about it wasn't horrible horrifying anything (laughs) why how because the the scenes don't pay off in a horrifying way ever there's some the imagery is usually like like kind of promises it i suppose but i don't walk away from it and i'm like ooh, like it's under my skin i don't i'm not scared by it after i leave the theater so. See, I kind of was, but again, I'm a pussy, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm not the target demo. Yeah, no, when I leave it, it's like I'm not really thinking about the horror. I'm more so thinking about what the film was trying to say. Yeah. Which is maybe a criticism. I don't know. But like when I left Get Out, I was just like, I think I know what that film was trying to say, but am I scared by it? No, not really. But it, it, it's it's just upsetting because there are horror films out there that are just trying to be fun. There's a difference between like Hereditary is not trying to be fun. Yes. Ha- Halloween is trying to be fun. Right. And both are admirable, but they commit to one and the other. Whereas like I feel like I'm not sure what Get Out was committing to or, or more so us for that matter. Yeah. So that's that's where my reservations kind of start and end with uh, uh, Get Out and us, I guess. Do you know what I mean? I do. 
I do. I I don't I don't necessarily know if I agree though. I okay. I don't know if I see the movie and think this is something that's artistically inconsistent, which is what it Get Out like is you're not saying. inconsistent though. Yeah. Get Out is more of a clear thing to me, which is why <laughs> oddly I came out of cuz I went into us wanting to like it more than Get Out and I walked out thinking, "Oh boy, yeah, I actually like Get Out more. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. From everything I was hearing about us, I was like, oh, this is, I'm going to love this movie. And yeah, it was very much the opposite. What'd you think of Lapita? Oh, uh, she is the best part of this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By a mile. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I heard you say that already. Did you? <laughs> wow. What are you talking about? Peeling back the curtain. So, uh, the. <laughs> So the recorder stopped. Don't break the this illusion. Stupid <laughs> fucking program, man. All right, we went like down a 20-minute hole about how the movie is kind of a horror movie but not really a horror movie and it was a nice little debate. Well, we what we landed on essentially was that it 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 looks and it it sounds and it 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 moves like a horror film most of the time. It just doesn't pay off essentially the way horror films should horror karaoke i think was the yeah, word that i exactly, used exactly yeah yeah well now that you know that let's move on lapita okay. niago she's wonderful she's <laughs> wonderful i thought i said that i love her double performance and it could have gone really bad with the, with the red, really bad really that's bad. the thing yes and it's it doesn't it, 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 we said this before when as soon as you hear the voice you're like oh god i don't know i don't know is this going to be good or really really terrible right and it turns out to be pretty good it does there's something about it that is just really really uh unnerving and i was thinking about it i'm like maybe this is what horror is all about when it's like the the thing that kind of scares you because it's unnatural yes you know that's that that tends to be like the really horrifying we stuff. talk about that a lot yeah. yeah and yeah this is this is a, a a great example of that it's one of the better horror uh um details in this film right I suppose. yeah the voice just totally works um it's so funny she won her oscar in 2014 mm. for 12 years a slave a supporting role by the way not like a performance that i think is award worthy uh it, I don't know. Like, I didn't... I remember... I, who got... I think maybe Amy Adams was nominated that year or something for... Or... or I, I forget. There was a another female performance that year that I remember loving and thinking, eh, Lupita really? Nyong'o's fine, but she's been given five years to make her movie, to, to make the legacy-defining, star-making movie. Yeah. You're seeing it with Brie Larson with Captain Marvel now. Mm-hmm. She won her Oscar for Room, and now she's allowed to be this superhero and star in the biggest blockbuster of the year. Lapita took five years, and I don't know why. Like, maybe she just didn't find any roles that spoke to her, or maybe she wasn't asked. I'm not sure. But it's weird that this is now the first starring role out of her, and we're finally seeing her full potential, you know? Yeah, it's such a weird thing. I mean, maybe she just didn't want to get swallowed up by the stardom, which is good. I mean, sure. I admire her for that. And, I mean, you can kind of see it with how freaking relatable she is in this movie. Oh, oh she's my God, a, love her. She's got just this natural charisma, but also yeah. this likability that, as we said earlier, is what you need out of a horror heroine. Exactly. You need someone that you can sympathize with and you want to be able to feel the anguish when they're in anguish. Mm-hmm. You want to feel the torment when they're getting tormented. And although this character is complicated and although there are many layers to the horror that she's experiencing, I was invested in her journey the whole time. Yeah. 
Um, and I just love the crazy out there choices she makes. I think it works. <laughs> oh my God. It's she's, she's so wonderful. And in both performances too, especially towards the end when you have to, it's, it's, I was thinking about, it, it's like Jesus, like the stark contrast and emotion with red and I, I could, I just, what's her Adeline, Adeline, the stark contrast between Adeline and, and red in that scene and how she would have had to have gone back and forth like that is yeah. actually really impressive. I know. Because one is very, very controlled and methodical and knows exactly what she's doing and is not really worried about a thing. The other one is just like like struggling for survival and absolutely desperate, kind of on her last breath. Right. <laughs> it's like, whoa. <laughs> it is. Yeah, two starkly opposite characters. But deliberately so. I mean, that if I'm going to say anything like really positive about this film, there's sort of a... Uh, a good reflection there. Oh know, yeah. Interesting. Well, it's like black sort of the white. whole point of the movie. Yeah. So yeah, I would hope that it would work, yeah, yeah. but it does. And she pulls it off and she is just, God, she's the revelation of this movie. Yep. And it's so frustrating that the only time we talked about her in the last two years was as the third romantic lead in black Panther. Tell me her name in black Panther right I now. I couldn't fucking <laughs> tell you her name. I know Killmonger and that's it. I don't know her. That's that's what it, she's the room. <laughs> she's not even the most interesting woman in that movie. No. <laughs> it's, even though like we were talking glowingly about her when Black Panther came out, I'm more interested in the sister than I am her. I suppose I'm more interested in Michonne from Walking Dead than I am her. No, yeah, that that that's probably my my favorite uh, female performance in that movie. She's just honestly. relegated yeah. to the romantic love interest, and yeah. it's like. You're an Oscar winner, Lapita. You're better than this. Yeah, you should be a movie star. You should be making three to four star-making roles a year. You know? And it, I'm glad that this is the movie that she chose to do it, because I thought she was great in it. Yes. And I, I said this but before we got cut off. Uh, I made the point that uh, one of the things I, re- I really loved about this was because uh, I, was, I was reminded of how great Lupita actually is. Because uh, when, you're not, when you're not doing starring roles for movies all the time, you're going to forget like this person is as, as wonderful as they actually are on screen. But when she's here, it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Lupita's, you know, one of the greater actresses we have working today. It's like, shit. Yeah. We need more Lupita. I know. We need more starring roles, man. I know. It's crazy. Why? I can't imagine she hasn't been asked. That's the thing. Maybe she hasn't been. I don't know. Uh, maybe she's just been smart about it and very maybe. selective. Who knows? Maybe. But in, she doesn't seem that way in like interviews. It's funny. Yeah. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, she's very like cool and laid back and stuff. I want to hang out with Lapita. Yeah, me too. I want to chill with Lapita Nyong'o. Mm-hmm. Great in this. Good for her. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, I want to talk about some of the theories. Oh, no. Surrounding the movie, I kind of didn't want to get into this. Oh, come on, bro. Go ahead. No, we got to dig in, man. (laughs) Go ahead. We got to dig in, because although both of us think this is sort of a messy movie, and it's got its flaws, and it's a little bit of a bump in the road, Mm -hmm. there's a lot to discuss. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Adam Hall, what's this movie about? Oh. Uh... I, I told you, like, my my idea was just that the, the movie ends with the statement that uh, it, it doesn't really matter who you are. You're, you know, it, it's it's more about, like, where you come from. Yeah. And depending on where you come from, it's it's going to entirely shape who you are throughout the rest of your life. So you, you see Lou... Uh, uh, Adelaide. Adelaine. Uh, uh, you see the original version of her get swapped places, and you know that if they 
if they had not done that, if she had just ran away, she would have been the one that we sh- we thought that she was the entire time. Yeah. And then it ends on the notion like, oh, yeah, because of her upbringing, she became, quote unquote, normal. And vice versa, it was just a depressing, you know, deprived lifestyle. And because of that lifestyle she's stuck in, she's going to inherit those traits. Mm. So interesting idea, again, about um, uh, the poor and the oppressed and the, the upper class versus the lower class. They're literally and- exactly like you, except for one very key detail in that – and it's that you've been given the opportunity yes. and they haven't. Yeah, privilege versus absolutely no pri- privilege at all, living in poverty and shit. And how thin <laughs> that line is. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Which is a great idea. Yeah. And it's the same same thing I love about uh, Get Out. The, my most praiseworthy thing about that movie is the, the final note that it ends on with the cop car. Mm-hmm. Even though I saw it coming, you, you, you make a point about knowing, okay, you, you say, okay, the cop's going to arrest this guy. But the fact that the it isn't a cop. It's the TSA guy. Uh, the film sort of asks you to think about why you asked that question in the first place. Yes. And that's a wonderful idea. The reveal happens in your own head. Yes. Right. Really, really smart stuff. The horror takes place outside of the screen, not on the screen. Yeah. And you're and like, that's great, man. That's just, that's film. Yeah. That's great stuff. Mm-hmm. When you can come to the conclusion on your own. And, and I, yes, I, I don't know if that movie, um, or if this movie, uh, Landed as well as Get Out did. We've talked about that already. Yes. That's part of the problem is that the movie both holds your hand, but then also takes you through a crazy maze that you're not sure where it ends. Yeah. And and the thing is, even if the, the meaning is there, it's just it's not set up well enough for me to really care if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, there's there's plenty of movies that have lots of ways to interpret it. But if you don't. I don't know if you if you don't bring me on a journey that 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 makes me I don't know w- want to explore those themes more. I'm just like it just doesn't work. It's it's sort of squandered. It's it's it's, yeah. it's a lot of wasted opportunities here. So I'm sure there's a lot of theories that you can come up with, but it doesn't really matter for me if the journey is is not really all that worthwhile. Yeah. Um. It's called us. I don't think you need to be a literary scholar to realize that. Us can also be interpreted as U.S. Mm. or the United States. Little on the nose. A little on the nose. I'm not totally bothered by it, but a little nah, on the nah, nose. Nah, nah, nah. Um, what did you feel when Lapita's doppelganger literally says in this movie, we are Americans? <laughs> what did you think of that? Well, first of all, that whole monologue is kind of uh, uh, frustrating yeah. because of how expository it is. <laughs> yeah. Literally just laying out your evil plan for me like a Bond villain or something. Yeah. It's like, uh, really? I didn't think the movie was going to go here. I thought the movie was a little better than that. But seriously, it's like, okay, we are America. It's like, ugh. Like, like I couldn't roll my eyes further back into my head. But- See, okay. I Okay. Kinda. I felt that way initially. Um, I don't know if that... It, it's not like it made it too obvious. I guess that that's the problem. Like I, it's one thing if they just said the line and it's like, all right, you really fucking spoon fed this theme to me, but I'm still not so sure I understand what the theme is. You know what it is for me? It's like listening to flat earthers trying to explain their theories <laughs> because it's like you know what they're talking about, but at the same time you respond with, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Right? You know what I mean? That's kind of what her monologue felt like. <laughs> That's a really interesting way of putting it. It's almost like you understand the logic of their argument, but you're also like, you're fucking crazy. Okay, maybe. Sort (laughs) of. Wow. 
I did not I did not expect this to turn into a flat earther <laughs> analogy. Wow. This movie is pro flat earth. I did not see this coming. <laughs> I kind of get what you mean though. Yeah. Um I sort of interpreted this as a political thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even think Jordan intended it. Obviously he's got this stuff about the hands across America. Which like a strange thing to, to call it. I mean, I didn't know what it was. Neither did I. Until I looked at it, I was like, oh. And the movies kind of relies on you to know exactly what that is. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. I uh, Here I am, this kid born in 1995. Cool. So Hands Across America was like <laughs> yeah. a failed yeah. charity event. Mm-hmm. It was the same guy that did We Are the World, the music, yeah. the music video for oh. the We Are the World. Okay. Uh, apparently tried organizing this. They obviously can't do an entire chain across the world, but they tried linking hands as, um, with as many people as possible. And it was sort of considered a symbolic um, uh, failure for the homeless community. Like it was it, it sort of stands as a well-intentioned thing that ultimately did more harm than good and didn't raise that much money for homeless causes. It just sort of buried yes. the, the entire cause in the first place. <laughs> and that's sort of what this movie is about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if it's exactly as on the nose as that, but I, I think, yes, it's about how somebody that's just like you is living on the other side mm-hmm. and you have habitually ignored them your entire life and now they're coming back to seek their vengeance. Um, so... On the surface, I do think that it can be interpreted as a homeless allegory. Sure. I sort of interpreted it as the the 2016 election. And here's what I mean. Think about it this way. The tethered are Trump voters. Mm -hmm. They're sort of like the middle America, blue collar, coal miner, uh, Bible belt generation that has been ignored on the political landscape for the past eight years. Yeah. And now in 2018, they have found their leader. In the case of the tethered, it's Lapita Nyong'o. In the case of America, it's Donald Trump. Yep. And these sort of voters have now made their presence known and have done it in a big, flashy way. Yes. I don't know if that's 100% what the intention was. I did think that it was interesting that the tethered were dressed in red. Mm-hmm. Symbolizing Republicans and the red states of America, mm-hmm. there are a few discrepancies, but I do think that if you think about it in terms of the other side, even if you approach it as a Republican and say that the tethered are the Democratic base, they're the ninety nine percent movement, they're uh, they're the environmental lobby. You can just think of the tethered as the other. This is the side that is just like me, except for one key difference. And by not paying attention to them is going to serve me very poorly in the future. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. And I appreciate how the theme is very universal in that way. You can really put whoever you want under the uh, under the guise of the tethered. You can treat it as a racial allegory. You can treat it as a class allegory. You can talk about it in terms of communism and socialism, Democrat and Republican, we're all basically the same except for one key thing, and that one key difference has divided us. Mm. What do you think of that? I mean, I'm sure that's what he, he was going for, and I'm sure he, it, yeah, I guess it's there. I guess it's all there. That doesn't mean I agree with it. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, n- nice idea. It's, it, this film is by nature very black and white, I suppose. Yeah. When you think about that, when it's literally split that way. 
with, yeah. the, with the many mirrored images motif that we see throughout the film with the scissors and the 1111 and things like that. Yes, the 1111 is yeah. literally a reflection of itself. Yeah. I did find, so here's the, the Bible verse, Jeremiah 1111. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Okay. So essentially, we are God, I guess. <laughs> the Those suffering underground are those that we have ignored. And although they call for our help, we shun them away. Ooh, all right. Right? That's, that's dark stuff. Yeah, it is dark stuff. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. There were a lot of those images, too. The glove, evidently, was an explicit homage to Michael Jackson. Which, from what I understand, whose glove? The tethered have one glove. Oh, on their that. Hand. Okay, okay, yeah. And obviously, All right. um, young Adeline wears the Thriller T-shirt that her father won for her at the carnival. All right. Sort of to represent that on the surface, Michael Jackson was this carefree, honest, sincere child, and then beneath the surface, he was this dark, twisted monster. Okay. And the duality of his personality. <laughs> Such a weird idea to draw from but okay yeah you don't you don't agree no i agree that's kind of interesting yeah Yeah. that was one that i've seen pop up on the internet a lot all right um for some reason and jordan peele said this wasn't a movie about race it does i don't think it's a movie about race either but what were you gonna say well the fact that a black family is at the center makes it hard to um to not think it's about race, I guess. I guess that's just sort of what happens naturally because there are not many horror movies with a black family at the center. It could just be Jordan Peele wants to, you know, have more black representation in horror films. I, I dig it, man. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't help but think when Lapita is chained up in handcuffs for most of the movie, I couldn't help but think of slavery. All right. Well, that's just, you know, it could be it at, yeah. a, at a certain point. It's sort of, I mean, this movie is representative of a lot of things in America and a lot of historical things in America. It's it's almost like a summation of all those terrible things yeah. in a lot of ways. But I mean, they, they go into the other doppelgangers at a certain point. So it makes me think like, okay, it's not really about race if they're including everybody here. Right. You know what I mean? But so. the doppelgangers are slaves in many ways. They're, they're tethered to their masters and they must cater to the whim of their masters and this is their revolt, essentially. Makes it a little muddled when you have like white people doing that as well. So yeah, I get. Well, no, of course, there's there can be some overlap, but I don't. Yeah. I mean, you could make a metaphor about slavery with white people. I think that's possible. I get not in film. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Think- I just I saw Lapita was handcuffed for the majority of this movie, right? Yes. She only broke her chains towards the end. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was notable. Could be. It could, there could be another reason for what the chains were actually, you know, meant to represent. It doesn't yeah. always have to be slavery, but you know, you got to think about what exactly they're going for. Yeah, I didn't necessarily pick up on that, but you know. okay. I also couldn't help but think when I saw the Hands Across America about the Mason Dixon line. Mm-hmm. I thought about that too, of how the the country was literally divided in two. Yeah, I thought about the wall. Unfortunately, yep, yeah, that was another one. So. And going back to the politics thing, you have. The two political sides, one is the elite, one is the ignored, Mm -hmm. and when the ignored attempts to become the elite, you literally divide the country in half. People just crowd over to their sides more, and they bundle up in teams, and it's now impossible to work together because you view the other side as the other and not a reflection of you. Yep. Um, 
Cool stuff, man. Yeah, I'm no, into it. I, I, I love the subtext is 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 great. It's just it would have been nice if it was used a little differently, I suppose. Yeah, because again, most of this film is just people running away from people who look exactly like them. That's the movie, essentially. Yeah. It doesn't really become what we're talking about until like the last ten minutes. Mm. Essentially, that's when you're like, oh, okay, that's what this movie is now. That's what was really going on. So, would you have preferred? If that subtext didn't exist and the movie was just comfortable being a movie about doppelgangers. Like, it, let's take out the last 10 minutes. Uh, it, probably. You would have liked it more. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would have too. Yeah, because it leaves more more room for, for me to explore the ideas. Maybe give a few hints that it's going towards like those sort of thematic elements. But for the most part, yeah. It would have been a significantly better film had it not been for those last uh, 10 minutes, Yeah, I guess. And it also gets absurd, too, with that whole notion. It's like, to me, it's an idea that's just so over the top that I, I don't know. I, I kind of taken out of the film. There's a lot of moments. Well, like the that. government conspiracy is a little, a little dense. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot that you have to buy there. <sighs> there's a lot of moments like that too, where it's like, okay, like, like I can only take so much craziness. Like it, it cause I think uh, get out rides that line pretty well. Yes. Cause get out is an absurd concept too. Very absurd, but it doesn't. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't necessarily get to the point where I'm laughing at it. Whereas like the, the, the points where, where they have to fight the doppelgangers in some scenes just seemed kind of silly to me. I wonder if part of it, too, is so. that the story here was purposefully um, universal and post-apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. Get Out like tells a one singular story of a black guy getting tormented by this white family, and it it's, follows his story through and through, and you learn the details of this plot through his point of view. And for some reason, this movie decides to become an outbreak movie. Yeah. It, it almost like a, it, in many like ways, it's, it's kind of like a zombie movie. Zombie film, yeah. yeah. I felt it was, there's a lot of like zombie Image. elements to this yeah. of everybody is lying on the streets dead. And there's this other being that has risen up from the ground. Um, and I just kind of wish like they got rid of that scene where they're watching the news footage. Oh, yeah. Like, no, I just kind of want to stay with this family. Well, it felt like a very different film at that point. Yeah. And I was hoping it would stay small, because usually when horror films do stay small like that, uh, it, it feels a little more personable, personal and uh, relatable in that way, and you can connect to it a bit more. I honestly, when you get very big, it, it, it takes, I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm watching a film anymore. I feel like I'm, I'm listening to someone try to give me a, like a history lesson or try to, you know, like giving me a TED talk or whatever. Right. Which is kind of, I guess, what this film felt like at a certain point. Yeah. It's like in Get Out, all you have to do is go into the woman's closet yeah. and flip through the photos. And then it's like, holy shit, this conspiracy goes much further than just me. Yep. And I just feel like you can show the dead bodies on the street and you can show flashes. I mean, the fact that the White family got killed yeah. was enough to realize, oh shit, this is happening on a global level. I don't need to see the TV footage. Yeah, but at the same time, I almost didn't want it to to be more than than just the the one family. Yeah, there was a bit of me that as soon as I saw the the other doppelgangers, I'm like, it just it 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 sort of lessened the effect. Really, I don't know why, but it just felt less powerful to me. Yeah. See, I didn't. I 
I, that I, moment was another one of those moments in the movie where I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. Because I, I was hoping it would be that sort of contained thing where you could learn a lot about the human condition just by studying this one conflict with this little family. Right. Which is, I guess, what I was expecting. It's what I was hoping for, and I didn't quite get that. But, yeah, I, I just remember the moment when it happened. I was like, oh, okay, it's not that kind of film anymore. It's not Because it's, clearly it's going to be all around the world. But, like, what the hell, you know? It was still one of those moments, though, where you think the movie's going to zig when it actually zags. Yeah. Like, you're settling in with this family and Elizabeth Moss and the other guy. And, uh, you know, you're ready for Lapita and the gang to just come up to the house and ask for shelter. And then within five seconds, they're all dead. <laughs> yeah. And at and that moment, I was like, oh, my God, the movie's actually going for it and is not afraid to get extra violent and extra exploitative and... I just dug it, man. I d- the movie had balls for me at that point, and I'm not sure like it had balls later on. Nope. But that was one of those just we're going for it. It's a horror movie. Buckle in for the ride moments. Yes. But I would also argue that like like once they're actually in the house and trying to you know take care of them, it kind of got a little too ridiculous for me. Okay. At times right. there's something about like uh, the performances of those people and the way they behaved and and uh, just the, the, the just the how funny it was. When they stuck the fire poker in the guy's head and he's hobbling around making these like like screeches. It's just like, is this scary or, or funny or just too absurd for its own good? Like I, I I had an eyebrow raise the entire time I was watching that scene at that point. Dude, I am here yeah. for zombie Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> I am here for it. Yeah. I cannot get enough of it. I thought Elizabeth Moss was fucking awesome in this movie. I'm, Tell me why I'm wrong. Like, well, I'm not an Elizabeth Moss fan. What? Yeah. What? Well, you haven't seen Mad Men. No, I have not. Well, seen that's, that's everything. Yeah. That's everything. I've seen her. Like, she's, yeah, no, I'm not a big uh, Elizabeth Moss fan. Okay, she's like amazing in... Mad Men and amazing okay. in the West Wing, and I haven't seen Handmaid's Tale except for one episode, but I hear she's amazing in that. Yeah, she's just something about her. I just look at her and it rubs me the wrong way. Oh, how one, dare you? She's one of those people. I just look at you. I'm like, yeah, I don't like you. How, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Did the scene where she's cutting up her face in this movie and brushing her hair? I'm just like, yes, give me 20 minutes of this. I was hoping she would cut her face off. Oh, I loved it. Take her face off. off. Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. I wanted more of that family. Yeah. I dug it. I dug that whole sequence. Okay. Fuck the police is playing in the background on the Alexa. I'm like yeah. the bootleg Alexa. Yeah. Dude, I dug it, man. Still not co- completely sold. On Dude, that, I like but... this movie. You know what? I, fine. Hour six minutes into this podcast. I'm going to say it and I don't care who hears it. I like us. Okay. Oos. Oos. I like oos. I, I like oos. <laughs> I, I, no, I like, I like it. I like it. It's a, it's a, it's a quiet recommend. Dude, there aren't, I get, as a whole, it doesn't exactly add up to the sum of its parts. No. Some of those parts. It's got its, it's got its moments. A lot of those parts don't really work for me. I think it starts very, very strong and, uh, has a plenty of moments in between, but it definitely slogs along. It doesn't really do enough. It doesn't do enough that's all that interesting or, or freaky. I don't always love the set pieces that it, the horror set pieces that it gives me. And the ending is no good. So, so one, one final question. Yeah. Did like Lapita know she was not Lapita the whole time? What's the deal? It's another problem. It's like you think about that. You're like, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. 
so why was she doing this little action at the beginning or saying this thing at the beginning? And you sort of question, like I said, you sort of question character motivations and you're like, this, this just doesn't feel like it makes any sense at all. So did she know that this revolt was coming? And is that why she was so adamant about going to the beach? But then if that's the case, why are you going on vacation in the first place? I know. Why would you? Well, why would you? That's a thing. And also, why, like, this is happening everywhere, right? So what difference does it make if yeah, you go to the beach? It doesn't. Why would you? If, if you knew the revolt was happening, why would you go up there? I don't. See, my theory is that she didn't know. And she had just sort of repressed that memory. How could you not know, though? And then at the end, when the little she, girl starts wisp or I guess the the doppelganger starts whistling. Yeah. The, I, I guess it's rain and it's pouring or something. Mm-hmm. Whatever the song she was she whistles is. That's when it clicked for her. It's like, oh, that's right. This is what my mission was. Mm-hmm. You know. It's just unnecessary to me. Okay. I don't know. But there were like I, little allusions to it. Like it does make sense. That's why she consoled the dying girl in the tree. That's why when she stabs the the teenage doppelganger mm-hmm. in the white people's house, she does it so convincingly with those scissors. And then you have like you know, you have the shot of the son looking at his mother horrified of what the, the violence that she just committed. Yeah. Like there are like little allusions to it and I do yeah. appreciate that. It's not just totally out of nowhere. It it does. I know, but it does. It certainly feels out of nowhere. Yeah. Which, which is the, the bigger problem. I don't care if it's not technically out of nowhere. It just needs to feel that it's not out of nowhere. And in this case, it just felt very tacked on like all of a sudden. Mm. And I could, I would have, would have been much happier had it gone without it. Okay. So yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. I've decided I like this movie. I've decided I'll defend it. It's a mess. I like messes, don't you? Sure. I love a mess. Plenty plenty of people who call The the Last Jedi a mess, and I like The Last Jedi. Well, they're wrong, because that's a masterpiece. (laughs) That's not a mess. Who calls that movie a mess? I would call it a masterpiece, but it's fantastic. It's not a mess, though. Like, this is a mess. And here's the most important thing, and I know you don't agree. I'm excited for what this dude has coming. I, I... it's you know what it is. It's like I'm 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 like addicted, to, or dic- yeah, addicted to, to well, Jordan Peele. He's and giving like, you blue balls, right? In, yeah, in like the bad way. It's like okay, it'll be better next time. It'll be a little better next time. It's like because it's not bad, but it's not quite good enough for me. I'm still waiting for him to like really wow me. He hasn't quite done it yet. But you think he has the potential yes, to do so? Which is which is the frustrating part. It's like just do it already. So some of the filmmaking in this movie, man. Mm-hmm. Top level stuff. He's getting better as a director. Mm-hmm. Maybe just like bring in another writer to to like, take a second look at your script you yeah. know just 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 you know like like tone it back a little bit it would have been perfect i don't want him like taking other people's stuff i don't want him being a gun for hire i still want him writing his own thing yes i agree but yeah just bring in a second set of eyes it's certainly a voice and we need voices so we do and we have a voice mm-hmm. and god i love it i love his <laughs> voice man i'm into it okay. it's a flawed movie but i'm into it that's what i've decided about us okay. Anything else? Yeah, I'm fine with it. You should you should see it and decide for yourself. It's not. Yeah, everybody should see this. Yeah, I don't. What like are you gonna do? Not see us? You could. You got no. You gotta see it. You could. If you're listening to this podcast, you have to see it. <laughs> I would hope. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Is there anything better that's out right now? I don't know. Well, Dragged Across Concrete is out. Have you seen that? Oh, the Mel. G- I would love to see that. One. Mel Gibson, Vince Vaughn play a bunch of racist cops. It's the guy who made a, a Bone Tomahawk. Yes. Which is one of the greatest movies ever made. Dude, I fucking love Bone Tomahawk. Fucking love Dude, Bone Dude, have we talked about Bone Tomahawk? No. 
Do we both love this movie and we've never discussed it? One Tomahawk's one of my favorite films of that year whenever what? it came out. So it was mine! Oh my god! <laughs> Why have we not talked about Bone Tomahawk? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, that movie's awesome! That now that's that movie scares me. Dude, that is a B movie through and through, but it's so good. That movie is freaky. Dude, when the guy fuck. gets ripped in half. And the weird, like, alien monster creature oh, God. starts eating him like a chicken wing. The imagery in that movie is never, ever, ever, ever going to leave my head. But it, it's just like, like, the way that movie sets up, like, horrifying sequences is just chilling. But it's also I, like a great road trip movie. Yeah. It's just like an awesome western just, with great dialogue. And then it becomes like a macabre horror, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, dude, dude, I can't believe we haven't talked about this. I love Bone Tomahawk. I fucking adore Bone Tomahawk. I love Bone Tomahawk. I saw that in England, and I'm just like, holy shit, what have I just stumbled so upon? So he did Dragged Across Concrete. And uh, Brawl and Cell Block uh, something something. 99? 99, yeah. Which was apparently also very I haven't good. seen that yet. I need to see it. Yeah, yeah. Vince Vaughn's in that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's out this weekend. Maybe uh, we'll do like a 10-minute review next week. All right. Um, also, oh... <laughs> What's up? Have you seen Triple Frontier yet? No. <laughs> how dare you? Why? How is it? Um, like amazing. Oh, what do you mean? It's a. What does that mean, Nico? <laughs> like incredible. Okay. <laughs> Who directed this one? The same dude that did Margin Call, and oh, and and all is lost, and, and all is okay, lost, and, and most violent, most year. violent year. Yeah. Okay, so it's a good director. All right. Yeah. All right. Should I should I see it? Yeah. All right. Is Just it... for me. Can you do it for me? Can you see Suspiria? Yeah, I'll do Suspiria. <laughs> I'll do Suspiria if you do Triple Frontier. I just want to. I want to sit down with you and watch Suspiria though. Oh, Suspiria. Oh, oh. What? Oh. What? Oh. What do you have to do? Oh, you have to update your list. Uh, we we need to talk about. Are it. you going to do this right now? We should do this. Dude, right. I'm not ready for this. We should do this right fucking now, man. Okay. Hold on. Let me pull up my my list. So I, I have, I think I have it figured out in my head. I just need to pull this up real quick so I have a visual reference so I don't get lost. So let me... Let's run down the old top 10. Okay. So... Once... Previously to watching... By the way, Suspiria is directed by an Italian fellow. <laughs> Luca Guadagnino. Who directed Call Me By Your Name. And something else that was apparently very good. A bigger splash. Okay, good. A movie that people quite liked. All right, good, good, good. But Call Me By Your Name is the, the big one. All right. The Gay Peach movie. We like the Gay Peach movie. Nothing like a good Gay Peach movie. Yeah. Well, it's weirdly pedophilic, but it's all right. It's okay. It's, it's Well, okay. very well-made movie. <laughs> very well-made movie. Yeah. So I had it before as, uh, let's see, what gets kicked off? Wow. So read your top ten. So it was Halloween, Roma, A Quiet Place, Isle of Dogs, Widows, Eighth Grade, Tied with Mandy. <laughs> the ballad of buster scruggs hereditary a star is born you were never really here okay and i so you are kicking off halloween right gotta say goodbye okay yeah that's at the bottom of the list so it's gone okay so here we go i'm just i'm just gonna suspiria number 10 a quiet place wait how you you can't do that yes i can why you'll see no you can't see you can't say that i'm Okay, all right, go ahead, do your thing. But you can't, like, move the order of the other movies around based on Suspiria. Just listen. All right. Number 10, A Quiet Place. All right. Number 9, Isle of Dogs. Number 8 would be Widows. Yeah. Number 7 would be Eighth Grade Tied with Mandy. Oh, shit, two movies are getting on. Yeah. For, uh, what was the next one? I just said 
So six, yeah, right. Six would be the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah. Five would be Hereditary. Okay. Four, A Star Is Born. Oh my. Three. I'm not ready for this. Three. You were never really here. Holy fuck. Two. Dun Holy fuck. Two is. Holy fuck. The favorite. Oh, oh, no. yeah, makes sense. Okay, yeah. Number one. Whoa! Suspiria! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Number one is fucking Suspiria. <laughs> Of 2018, best movie of 2018. I switched my list around like a like a mad person, but holy shit! Oh, I can't believe I missed out on that one last year. Holy fuck! Wow. I am not. I will never be the same after watching. I I felt like a completely different person. Suspiria is better than the favorite. Yeah, yeah, it is for me. At least, certainly for me. Dude, what happened to that movie? It just came and went. I don't know. No one talked about it. Suspiria. Yeah. I don't know. I came and went that movie. It's, I mean, I. It's a tough movie. Okay. It's a weird. It's a weird fucking movie. It's, it, but it's like it's every emotion you could you could think of. It's like it can be really really uh, bizarre and and strange, but uh, really tragic at times. But it's so sad and it's but it's also very very beautiful and touching and often like kind of heartwarming. It's weird because it can it gets really really disturbing. But then all of a sudden it'll just be like, oh wow, yeah, okay, I know why it had to be disturbing, and I I, I know why it had to go to these places. So it, you know, I could I, I could be rewarded with the, the the touching themes that this film has to tell me later on. You know, it sort of makes you appreciate the the, the brutality more, and it's just it's it. Oh my god, some of the most unforgettable horror images I I've ever seen in my entire life. Some of the most incredible dance se- sequences I've ever seen, and. Without question, the most insane dance sequence I've ever seen. As I was texting you while I was watching it, there is there is some, there is a scene towards the beginning of this film with one character dancing and another character trapped in another room, and it it just it's impossible to to leave that your head. I've never seen anything just so oh just wrong, just so wrong <laughs> in every way, but so oddly satisfying in the realm of a horror film. Oh. Oh my god. I'm going to hate this, aren't I? Oh. I'm going to hate this. I'm definitely going to hate this. Don't even lie. Dude, it's two and a half hours? Yeah. It moved for me, Oh, though. no. This movie, honestly... Oh, no. No, I have to admit, this movie really moved for me. It didn't feel like two and a half hours. Oh, god. Dakota Johnson, Chloe Grace Moretz, Tilda Swinton. Okay. I mean, this movie is something I'm looking else. at some of the screenshots... Dude, I'm not going to be able to watch this. <laughs> Dude, I can't do this. <laughs> now, beyond, I can't do this. Look yes, at some of these images. I can't do this. What's wrong with some of the images? I can't make Some it. of the best, by the way, some of the best cinematography and editing of the year. I, uh, okay, here we go. How, how this movie didn't win best editing and Bohemian Rhapsody did. Dude, well, you're, Bohemian you're, Rhapsody is one of the worst edited movies you, of all time. You were, you're, okay, you will at least watch this and claw your fucking hair out at just that very idea. Oh my, like, ugh. It's, it's unreal what this movie is doing with some of its technical aspects. And it's so in line with the 70s, but at the same time, it's very much a, a film from the 2010s as well. It's just, it's just a wonderful blend like that. And I love how it separates itself from Dario Argento's. It almost doesn't, it's, it's weird because it follows like the same beats, 
but it's just a totally different film. It's one of the better remakes I've ever seen for that reason, because it's so much its own film. And Tom York's music. Oh my God, Tom York's fucking music, man. Ah. Dude, I can't do this. I can't do it. I see the claws of some creature, and I'm like, no, I'm out. I can't do that. Yo. Dude, I can't do fucking dance sequences in a horror movie. Yo, yo. Ah, you gotta see. Dude, I can't do interpretive dance, man. I can't do it. I can't sit through this for two and a half hours. I asked you if I should watch it on the plane (laughs) on the way back from Arizona, and you're like, hard no. Do not. People would have been like peeking over your shoulder and just been like, they would have like tried to get away from you <laughs> from watching. Well, I would have got some more leg room, I'm sure, if I watched That's, the Spiria on the plane. Maybe you should have done that. Yeah, maybe. The, oh my God. I did watch Beale Street on the plane, by the way. I know. Beautiful film. Okay, good. Beautiful film. So is Suspiria, though. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. Creepy witches doing creepy shit. Oh, God. Uh, All right. It's so good. Okay. It's unbelievable. I'll do my best. The movie is just... I, I will see Suspiria if you sit through Triple Frontier. Yeah, I'll sit through Triple Frontier. I, I mean, I would bet that you're not going to like Suspiria, but... And I'm going to bet you won't like Triple Frontier. Really? But I... <laughs> oh, God. Dude, Triple Frontier is fucking awesome, though. All right. But Suspiria... I'll, I'll give it a shot. Dude, Triple Frontier is just like pure masculinity in the oh, jungle. God. Okay, okay. It's just great. It's just an 80s action film. Well, but it's a heist, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's great stuff. Ben Affleck's in it, though? Oh, yes. And he is very Ben Affleck in it. Okay. Very Ben Affleck. Okay, okay. Fine, fine. Dude, this movie just, like, is... All right, I'm not going to spoil anything. Well, I will spoil something. So, it's a heist movie. The The plot of the movie is that a bunch of these former military guys want to steal money from a drug dealer. Okay. And his house is in the middle of the jungle. And you think, like, the whole movie is going to build towards this heist, and then the heist takes place within the first half hour. And then you're oh. like, holy fuck, where are they going to go from here? Okay. No. And uh, I'll tell you where they go from here. In the jungle. <laughs> That's where they go from here. <laughs> Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, and Ooh. Pedro Pascal in the jungle, motherfucker. Is it a better Predator film than The Predator? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, no, I dig that. I love it when you think something's going to be this movie at the beginning. It's and then just it's a big totally bag different. of money okay. in the jungle and four friends. All right. And what they learned about each other on the way. All right. So good. I, I, I dig that. <laughs> Triple Frontier. So entertaining. Also, so all over the place and not good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, cool. That's a that's a podcast. Movie hopping, movie hall of fame, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be back next week yep. to finally do the year 1968 yeah. in cinema. One more time. If you want to catch up next week, will we, be, we will be discussing... 2001, A Space Odyssey, Mm -hmm. Rosemary's Baby, Planet of the Apes, Bullet, Mm -hmm. Once Upon a Time in the West, and one more, which I'm forgetting. 68? Uh... I forget. Fuck. I've seen it, though. I know. I've seen all of them, but uh, what the hell was it? What is it? I don't remember. Well, it's there. It's something. It's something. (laughs) What uh, is it? And I'm sure it's quite good. Night of Living Dead. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you okay. idiot. Yeah, yeah Night of Living know. Dead. How could I forget? All six of those movies will be discussed next week as we induct one more into the movie Hall of Fame. Uh, at Funny Nico Tweets is my handle. At some Adam Hall. Is yours. Mm-hmm. At TMT underscore media is shared by both of us. That's correct. Check out 
all there is to listen to on the website, too many thoughts, media.com or tmt.media for short. That's the best way to find us. Why is this a thing? Culture, the Nico show and this very show all available. Tmt.media rate us five stars on iTunes. That would mean a lot. That's all we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until next time, uh, happy, whatever this episode w- was. <laughs> <laughs> Oos, baby! Oos!